Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. We're going to dive into the Word now. This will be round three for me. I led a sunrise service out at Cinnamon Shore uh, out in Port Aransas, which was awesome. And I want to say thanks to everybody that came out to support me and uh, worship with us. It was a really special time. Some of y'all just drug yourself right out of bed. I'm not looking around. Y'all rolled right out of bed and came, but you made it. You made it. So I'm glad that you did. Uh, That was my 10th year of doing that, and it was really special. We couldn't they didn't have it on the beach, which was tough because I love it on the beach, but the tide is so, was so high that they wanted to be safe, and so they put it up there, which actually worked out good for me because I had a real captive audience, and it was really enjoyable. So I'm glad that you're here. Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, yeah. and it's important. It's very important. There's a lot of reasons why it's important, because if he wasn't alive, we'd have a dead faith. We'd have a dead life. And we wouldn't really have power to change anything. But now that he rose from the dead, we have power. Now, a lot of us aren't walking in that power. But if I have my way, you will learn to walk in that power. If God had his way, he will teach you as well. And so today, I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about the implications of what's going on with Jesus now that he rose from the dead and how that applies to us. And the whole theme of this morning is going to be as he is, so we are, where? In this world. world. So our question today should be, let's say this together, say, Lord, how are you? Lord, how are you? And how am I? Here's another great way to say it. Lord, who are you? Let's say that. Lord, who are you? And who am I? You know, if we can answer those two questions, you'll get purpose, direction, guidance, comfort, strength, health. You'll walk in power and authority over the lies of the enemy. You won't walk in condemnation. You won't allow yourselves to be beat down in shame. You won't be broke, busted, disgusted because he's not broke, busted, or disgusted. As he is, so we are, where? In this world. So I want to help you understand who you are and who he is and how to walk like him, look like him, act like him, talk like him, and not be weird, religious, crazy people. Like, really? Like, I want you to be normal. So we're not putting on a religious facade. We're being authentic because he's authentic. He's authentic. And if you don't know who he is, you won't really know who you are. Everybody's looking for meaning. What's my purpose? Your purpose is to be like him. When you become like him, you'll do what he does and you'll discover everything that God has for you. When you become like him, you won't run to drugs and alcohol and the comforts of the arms of another all the time. You won't be in depression and anxiety and worry and fear because he's not that. But the, the challenge is, is a lot of us are still walking in those things and we're professed Christians. And so we enter into this process of discovery of learning how he really is and then allowing him to change us on the inside. You know what's different about Christianity and every other religion of the world? Every other, you name the religion, 
What separates Christianity from all the others? Well, yes, there's resurrection, but other religions can claim that somebody rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. But let me tell you the one thing is that he changes you from the inside out. Every other religion is a measure up performance. If I pray X amount of times a day, if I'm a better person, I'll come back as a better fill in the blank. It's all about enlightenment and about attainment. And it's about, about the works that we do in our life. And that's why I wanna help all of us to understand that you were never good enough, you'll never be good enough, and good will kill you. That's the problem with religion. It creates atheists and agnostics and Satanists because the problem is, is I can never measure up and I'll never be good enough and God's a narcissist. I'm never gonna be able to please him. And then we have these warped views about who God is. And I'm gonna shoot you all real straight today, real straight. Because I'm already on my third service and a wedding and I just don't care. So just so y'all know, if you think I'm gonna mince my words, I am not mincing my words. God wants authentic. He wants real. He doesn't want fake. He doesn't want hype. He doesn't want you to pretend. He doesn't want your Sunday best. He doesn't want religiosity. And you're never gonna be good enough. The faster you can realize that, the faster we take off the facade and the pretension and we become authentic to who we are. God wants you authentic. When you're authentic, you stop worrying about what everybody else says about you. When you become like him, you love the way he loves and then people actually see him through you. Everybody's looking for God and we're seeing too many people that lay claim to his name but don't look like him, act like him, or sound like him. Am I right? Can we all agree on that? So let's do something about it. You're not joining a club. You're not joining a church. You're not joining a movement. You're joining a family. You're joining a kingdom. And you're discovering who you really are. That takes time. That takes patience. Takes a lot of grace and mercy. Lots of grace and mercy. And it requires us to not just know about him, but to know him. You can read your Bible your whole life and be dead as a doornail. The Bible can bring you life when you put into practice what it says and you become the word inside of you. When the word becomes flesh in you, it changes you. But until then, it's just words on a paper. And we get nice religious facades that don't change anything. Know anybody like that? They can quote a lot of scripture. They're real religious. Shoot, when I had long hair and wore earrings, I was told by those people I was going to hell (laughs) just because I had long hair and earrings. They didn't like the outward appearance, but see, God looks at the heart. So today, let's say this, say it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. As he is, so we are. So when Jesus rose from the dead, and because he's alive, he lives where? Where is he? I mean, we gotta ask the question, where is Jesus? Has anybody seen Jesus? When Mary and the women showed up at the tomb, they said, where did you put him? Where did he go? Before she knew it, she was staring at somebody that looked like a gardener. John 19. She didn't understand who it was until he said her name. When Jesus said Mary, she goes, wait a minute. Only one person says my name like that. 
So God's got your name, he's got your number, and today's your day to not live the same. And my prayer for you is when you walk out that you will think long and hard about your life and how you can become more like him and stop living for yourself, stop having selfish ambition. We're not working angles anymore. We're not trying to coerce people to do what we want. What we're really doing is loving people the way Jesus loved. And if we can learn to love with perfect love, you will have boldness in the day of judgment. Let me show you this scripture. It's 1 John chapter four. I highly recommend you all read 1 John four about a hundred times over. Read it, read it, read it, read it. It's all about perfect love and authentic love, driving out fear, worry and doubt, self-preserving ourselves, fear, shame. It's all in this chapter. So let's look at 1 John chapter four and I'm gonna start with verse 17. And it says this, love has been perfected among us that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so we are. Let's leave that scripture. We're gonna camp on this for just a moment. Love, because love has been perfected in me, I have boldness in the day of judgment. Let's talk about judgment for a moment. There is a day coming when Jesus will come back. Life is racing by, life is not our own. He is the king, he is the creator. He made a promise and he means to keep it so he will return. I want us all to be ready, not hiding under tables in the clubs and the bars and in the wrong bed. I want us ready. I want you ready. I don't know when it's gonna be. It may be in generations and generations to come. But I live my life circumspectly. I live my life with a sober-minded mentality because I don't ever want to get sidetracked because no one knows the day or hour, okay? There's also a judgment seat coming. Now, let me tell you about this judgment seat. If you give your life to Jesus now, the judgment will look different then. We will be judged, but guess what we'll be judged for? Not, or what we won't be judged for is your sin. If you get born again now, give your life to Jesus, he wipes away your sin, washes you in the blood, And now there's no more condemnation. It is finished. The price is paid, okay? So then the question should be, what would I be judged for? You're gonna be judged for your gifts and your talents and what you did with them while you were on earth before that day came. If I live for myself, if it's about me, myself, and I, my money, my job, my stuff, my time, too busy, let everybody else, it's not my problem. If you live a not my problem mentality, you will waste the gifts and talents that God has and even what you have will take away from you. I'm saying it lovingly and nice because I love you. Everything's a sacrifice. I'll go toe-to-toe with busyness and I'll go toe-to-toe with past. I lived a jacked up life. I sold pounds and pounds and pounds of marijuana, crack cocaine, mushrooms, sheets of LSD. I don't have any shame about that because that's in my past. It's not who I am now, right? But all those things that I chase after ultimately did nothing for me. Never satisfied. It may have brought temporary comfort for the moment, but it wasn't lasting. People ask me, how could you go to 45 Grateful Dead concerts? My, many people can't understand. <laughs> because when the show was over, the peace and the comfort, when the clubs ended, when the bars were over, when the reggae band ended, when the margaritas stopped flowing, when the arms of another was gone, 
There was a hole inside of me. The great void, I call it, that nothing could fill. So guess what? When the next concert came around, when the next show came around, when the next party came around, when the next joint came around, when the next margarita, the next line, the next girl, the next ladies' night, the next party, the next beer, this is the cycle all of us have followed. Most of us, not all of us. My wife didn't <laughs> do what I did. That's right. She had her moments, but she didn't do any drugs. She didn't do any drugs. And she swore, I will never marry anybody that did what I did. And my lesson to you is never say never, ever, 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 because look at what God has done. It's beautiful. God restores all things. So how many of you burn bridges down in your life? How many of you feel like I've wasted it all and squandered it away? Anybody? God can restore all things. This is why you must understand reconciliation. He balances the books. And when I cheated and lied and stole and squandered in the books, and I came to Jesus, he balanced everything and made it all right. So now I have boldness in the day of judgment. Here's another judgment when the devil comes to lie to you. It's like, look, there's a lot of you that are visiting today. I'm always under the microphone or microscope when I'm up here, but I don't care anymore because I now have greater boldness. But because of neglect and abandonment in my childhood, I lived like an orphan, feeling like I had to please everybody and measure up. And I would hope and pray that none of you would walk out while I'm preaching. And now I'm like, I'm surprised it took some people so long, right? Like, seriously, it happens. You can't please everybody. You're not gonna please everybody. You have to be true to yourself, right? You have to be authentic. And a lot of people come to the Lord and it becomes this religious facade and it's not who they are. It's better to say, man, I am jacked up and I need desperate help or I'm not good. Nobody's good. The faster you can come to that realization that you're not good. God can do things in your life to cause you to do good, but nobody's good but the heavenly father. I need him as much as you do. I'm as desperate, like this whole weekend, a lot of stuff's been going on. About every 15 minutes, I'm going, God, I really need your grace. I really need your grace. I've been through so much hardship in my life that now what I've learned to do is just stay focused on him and diligent on what he says all the time. And then everything works out all right. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be, because as he is, so I am. And now I have boldness. How about this? How about when the devil comes to lie to you about your past? Anybody? Such a screw up. You're always rehearsing in all those terrible things you did. But when you know the Lord and you become like him and you understand who he is, there's no condemnation. Now, because he is, so am I. He paid the price. The blood of Jesus has been shed. That's not who I am. And even if I screw it up tonight, I'm still not condemned. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he picks himself back up because forgiveness is still available. Now, because of that kind of love, I don't want to screw up tonight. Because of perfect love, I don't want to use you, abuse you, or work angles, or try to get your money, or more people sitting in a seat. I care about you for who you are. And I love you for who you are because that's the way he's loved me. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. I love this verse. He balanced the books. So it says, 
in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, that God did this big thing for us. It's called, it's a word you never use in your everyday language. It's the word propitiation. When's the last time any of y'all ever used that word? Well, Doug said last Easter. <laughs> Let me help you understand this word propitiation. Let me define it for you. The word propitiation means the perfect sacrifice that not only cleansed you, but provided a covering shelter for you. It means to expiate, to atone for the guilt of sin, and to make the wrong right and to reconcile. So now I'm covered. I'm gonna show you in a minute that when Jesus rose from the dead, he was raised up high above anything that can be named. All principalities, all demonic forces, and all darkness. And then that's Ephesians 1. In Ephesians 2, I'll show it to you, he raised you up with him. So now you are above all names that are named, and now he, he made your wrong a right. How? Through forgiveness, through mercy, through grace, and through his death on the cross. This is the good news. He did what you can never do. You can't make yourself a better person on your own. You can do it through behavior modification for a time and season. You can read all the self-help books. You can do all the steps. You can meditate. You can do eat right. You can do all the things. But at the end of the day, only one thing can transform your spirit and your soul, and that's Christ. I know that firsthand. And so in this scripture, let's pull that scripture back up. It says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation or to balance the books or to make the wrong right. Now, I want you to notice it says that this is what love is, not that you loved God, but that he loved you first. Why is that important? Because if it's based on my love of God, then I'm gonna, I am going to have to earn it and I'll never be good enough. If it's based on me loving God first, then it means that I'm worthy or I have to be worthy or good enough to get his love accepted for me. It doesn't work that way. Instead, he loved you when you were in your worst state. He gave his life for you when you were a sinner. He gave his life for you when you're in your literally darkest hour. And that's the point. The point is, is you're never gonna be worthy or good enough. Stop trying. Just get your eyes on Jesus and get him in your heart and enter in the process and don't give up. Stay the course and let his life course through your veins and you will become like him in time. I only know this from 28 years of all kinds of stuff in my life, but staying the course. So God loves you first. Remember that. It's not about being good enough or measuring up or performance mentality. That's what religion tells you. That's what other religions tell you. Measure up, perform, make sure you do your church duty, make sure you read your Bible enough, make sure you worship enough, and then you just throw in the towel and say, I'm never gonna be good enough, and then we just go through the motions. But instead, when you know how much God loves you and you know what perfect love is, it transforms your life. Yeah. I had that encounter in July, an incredible encounter. So let's talk about love for a moment. This whole chapter revolves around love, the whole thing, Okay. Like, let's go to the next verse, verse 11. If God so loved us, what should we do? Love one another. Let's talk about love for a moment. Do you know that there's four types of love? I talked, it's funny that my Greek 
uncle and my aunts and my cousin are here because I think I talked about this the last time, a long time ago, y'all were here. And I know I'm gonna not get the words exactly right, so I'm not gonna say them all. But there's four types of love. There's agape love, which is unconditional love that takes no value or consideration of how valuable you are or what I'm gonna get back from you. It doesn't mean you're not valuable. What it means is I'm not working an angle to love you really well in hopes that you'll write me a check or that you'll do anything for me or that you'll keep coming back. It's love with no hooks. It's I love you because God loves you, period. Yeah, it's no, it's, there's nothing. It's sacrificial love that you lay your life down for one another. And the truth is we can shout, but if you're shacking up, you're cracking up. And I love y'all, but it's not perfect love. Let's just repent. If we're peeking around on the internet at porn, it's not perfect love. Perfect love means I'm not watching you. I'm not looking at you. I'm not trying to hook up. I'm not thinking how hot you are. I'm not trying to get your money. I'm not trying to get you to even serve in the church. I just love you, period. And I will lay my life down for you. A lot of people throw the word love around. I've been to 45 dead shows. It was all about love. Burning man, all about all about love. Rainbow gatherings, all about love. Peace, love, and happiness. The 60s movement, all about love. Love, 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 love. Raves, love, love, love. While everybody's doing drugs. I love you when I'm on drugs. (laughs) Am I right? I love you more after a few margaritas. That's the way the world works. You can't fake this love. This This is authentic, genuine. What can I do for you? And it will cost me everything. It costs me because it, costs, it causes me to die. Perfect love is death. Perfect love is it's not about you. Perfect love is I'm not gonna shack up with you. Perfect love is I'm not gonna use you. Perfect love is I'm not trying to get an angle on you so that you'll do anything for me. That's agape love and I make the sacrifice. It's tough doing weddings and multiple services and showing up on Wednesdays and going places I don't always wanna go that really inconvenience my life and my kids and my family. But you know what? It's the call of God on my life and I'll never run from it and the rewards are way greater and what it produces in my kids is true life instead of entitlement. You wanna break entitlement in this generation? Start giving your gifts away and start loving and start serving and get healthy and get strong and let Jesus make you to be everything he's called you to be because then you realize nobody owes me anything and then you become authentic. You break that man-pleasing spirit. This world is all about man-pleasing, what we wear, how much money we have, the job we have, our status. In fact, when we meet somebody for the first time, we often say, what do you do? So agape love is different, but there's another kind of love. There's a reason why this other love, two loves mentioned in the Bible, there's four types of love. There's agape love, there's phileo love, there's familial love, and there's eros erotic love. Most people are calling eros real love. And it's not, it's lust. It's attractive love and it can't, there are components of it when you're married, that's real good. When you're married. And so the phileo love is brotherly love. It's the city of brotherly love. Not a whole lot of love going on in Philadelphia, but God's gonna bring revival to Philadelphia. 
That's right, I know, I know, that's right. That's where we got, we got a Philadelphia native right here. I believe the darker it is, the more God will move, honestly. And that city has a namesake. But I'm using that because phileo, Philadelphia, is brotherly love. Now, let me tell you the good and the bad of brotherly love, all right? Here's the bad. I do for you, you do for me. And if you don't do for me, you see all that stuff that I did for you? Man, I went bent over backwards for you. I gave I supported you, I counseled you, I did so much stuff for you and you just left me. I would be a mean pastor if I was like that. I'm not kidding, you ever met a mean pastor? Just grumpy. I already realized some of you will stay, some of you will go, I hope you come back and if you don't, I'm still gonna love you just the same. And if you leave for six months and stab me in the back, I'll still love you just the same because they did it to Jesus and if Jesus could do it, as he is, so am I. Some of us are living in bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and we're mad at the people that stabbed us in the back and let us, did us wrong. When God says, you gotta forgive because I forgave. In fact, not only did I forgive, I went all the way to the cross. And while I was on that cross and everybody was destroying my body, I even said, forgive them because they're, I'll paraphrase it, they're really in deception and don't know what they're doing. So here's what I'm gonna do. Instead of holding you guilty and accountable, I'm going to forgive you. And I get it. That person did you wrong. That family member did you wrong. That best friend did you wrong. Forgive them. You've got to because it holds you more captive and in bondage than it does them. That's why you have to forgive. So phileo love is this benefactor love. Now you need phileo love. What good would a marriage be if my wife never reciprocated? We need reciprocation. So, so it's reciprocal love, but you ha- if you don't have agape love first, then when somebody does you wrong, whoo, you don't wanna do me wrong you don't want the wrath of Ben Dead on your life. I'm really not that mean of a guy, but inside I get really mad sometimes. I just don't tell you. Am I right though? Don't do me wrong. Don't do me wrong. Everybody did Jesus wrong. Even his own, well, I say everybody. Maybe not everybody. Mary was still at the cross. His beloved John was still at the cross, but all his other friends had hightailed it. And one of the ones he loved the most denied him three times. And he still restored them. The people that he was laying his life down for were pulling the hair out of his beard, sticking crowns inside of his head, mocking him. And he still said, I love you and I forgive you. As he is, so we are. Here's a great one for you. If he went through it, chances are likely you will have to go through it. Just die now. The faster you lay your life down, it doesn't become about you and you're not working angles and you're not sliding in on the side to get something for you and you gotta get yours. It's all about you. In fact, the more that you make it about your bride or your spouse, the more you make it about giving away what God's given to you, the more God gives back to you. And it's actually rewarding and fulfilling. You can't behavior modify this. It's a life change on the inside. So if God loved us with perfect, unconditional love, what should we be doing to others? Loving them with pure, unconditional love, right? I really love this. 
verse 12. No one, everybody say no one, has seen God at any time. The fullness of God. People have had encounters with Jesus, seen the Father. They've had encounters with heaven. Nobody's seen the fullness of God at any time. But watch this. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Here's the paraphrase. People will see God now in you because you're not working any angles. And because I'll lay my life down for you like Jesus did. And people say, only, there's only one way that somebody could love like that. This world does not offer this love. You know that, right? This is pure, undefiled love that reveals God to the world around. The scripture goes hand in hand. No one's seen God at any time. But if you learn to love right, if you let God's love dwell inside of you and you love one another, his love will be perfected in you and now you'll cast out fear. No, nobody should feel fear in this place right now. None of you. If you feel fear, you brought it in with you. Okay? I can think of the worst things y'all are doing. You still shouldn't feel fear. Okay? God loves you. He cares for you. He died for you. He rose from the dead. His blood has been shed. He can wipe away your past. He cares for you and he doesn't want you to live in that kind of fear. Okay? In fact, any fear, any fear outside of the fear of God is an absence of perfect love. Any fear. And that's how you know when you're not walking in perfect love. But you know you're walking in perfect love when I got no fear. I'm gonna show it to you. So I want you to see this. We show the world through perfect love that's been perfected in us who God really is. So he wiped away our sin. He calls us to love with perfect agape love. He calls us to walk in perfect love because as he is, so we are in this world. God is love and the ultimate act and demonstration of that love was him laying his life down. And now he calls us to do the same for one another. Here's the cost of discipleship. Luke 9, 23, he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, all three of these things revolve around perfect love, all three, okay? The only reason why I would go after Jesus is because I know that I'm void of perfect love and I need his perfect love and I can't do it on my own. I learned that really the hard way. Lots of bang, in and out of jail, prison. That was just my story, once I surrendered it all, which I pray some of you will do now and never go through what I went through, God fully restored my whole life. Now I have an amazing life. I have my only Greek relatives in the United States live here in Corpus Christi and are here today. I have an amazing wife, children, family. I have amazing coffee shops. And all of that has taken a lot of work, hardship, tears, and laying my life down. It's not like it's been easy. But it's God's kindness and mercy that would take me from a place of broke, busted, disgusted to where I am today. Now he can do it for you wherever you're at. You're never stuck, ever. You are never, ever, ever stuck. Hear my voice, you're never stuck. God loves you and cares for you. He's not holding over your sin over your head to be in shame. He's not saying, man, you really let me down to last night. 
Never heard the Lord say that to me. Instead, you know what I heard him say? Pick yourself up, son. Run to me. I already saw. Confess it. Get it out. Get your eyes back on me and fall in love with me again. Because when you fall in love with the Lord, it changes you. You can't work it. You can't earn it. You can't go to church enough. This is every day, all day. This is desperation. This is us always keeping our eyes on the Lord and not getting sidetracked with our careers and our money and our things and our stuff and our social status. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about those things. It just means you can't have them before him because if you put them before him, he's gonna strip it away and it will, or you'll keep it and never be happy. You know anybody that has a lot of money and a lot of stuff and is miserable? I do. So we have to have right perspective and we have to understand that God loves us He expects us to follow after him, denying myself his perfect love. You know why? Because myself can want to do things that are contrary to what he wants. So I'm constantly denying myself. You know how many encounters and relationships I get in my life that I think about this phileo thing and if I do for them? If I work this little angle, it could really be prosperous for me. If I really buddy up to that person. No, if you have to... If you have to work to maintain a relationship, you'll always be working to maintain it. That's why there's a lot of people that come here that you'd never think would be here because I love them and don't really care. I'm not moved. I'm not a respecter of persons. Neither should you be. You don't have to get anything from anybody. Nobody owes you anything. You're not entitled to anything. Jesus paid the price. You owed the debt, if anybody. That's why you have to repent. We're selfish. And the faster you get this, the faster you have lordship. The faster your life will not be your own. The faster you'll sleep really good at night and you won't have nightmares. The faster that you'll stop worrying about what everybody thinks about you. The faster you won't just come to church and sit in the parking lot with social anxiety because you're afraid to walk into the church with all the good people. And you'll realize nobody's good. God causes us to do good things, get, the, get it right. But trying to be good is worse than being wicked. Because when you're wicked, at least you know you're bad. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm doing bad and I know it. I don't really know anybody that's really wicked that thinks, man, I'm really good. <laughs> but let me tell you what's worse. I meet a lot of people, a lot of people. And God shows me, man, they're in a really tight spot. They're, they're really in a bad spot. And I say, hey, man, can I pray for you? They're like, I'm good. Like, no, you're not good. (laughs) Problem is, is he doesn't really want me to invade their space or their sphere or their shame. But if you know you're really loved, you step into the light and you stop protecting something that's killing you because you know you're with people that love you. Could you imagine a church like that? Could you imagine a culture like that? That you keep running to and getting mercy and grace and forgiveness and empowerment and healthy correction where people look at you and say, I really love you. Let's everybody say, tag, I met. Stop looking at me. I'll be part of it. But this is decentralized leadership. This church doesn't revolve around me. It can't. I got animals to feed at home. 
It only takes me 40 minutes a day. It's not that bad. 20 minutes each time. And I love them, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm talking about my kids, by the way. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> they take me 40 minutes a day to feed them, too, half the time. Can you make waffles, Daddy? <laughs> All right, where were we? Everybody say, I have to deny myself. It's not about me. It's about perfect love. And what does it mean to take up your cross daily? Here's what it means to take up your cross. I am gonna do something for you that I do not wanna do in the natural. And you know what? You're totally out of line right now, but God says die for you. You know what? Your life is a disaster. But here, how can I help you? And you know, I'm going to love you so well. It's taking up your cross, what Jesus did. It's sacrificial. It hurts. It's not just overcoming sin. Jesus already died on the cross. What cross do you bear now? You don't have to keep dying for sin. The, the price is already paid. You don't, have to, you don't have to live in condemnation. Stop cutting yourself. I'm not talking about just in the natural, and there might be cutters here, but we cut ourselves in the spirit, and we do just like the prophets of Baal did on Mount Carmel. Dance a little more, cut yourself a little more, and maybe God will answer you. Feel the Lord on that. It's an antichrist spirit. The prize has been paid. You're not condemned. Here's the good news. This is, I feel the Lord so strong. This is the gospel. I know that you did idiotic things. I know you really blew it. But you know what? Somebody hung on a cross. Somebody shed his blood and he said, it's finished, it's done. And now you're not under the law of sin and death. You're under the law of mercy and grace. Now you still have to accept it. You still have to say, I accept it. That's why everybody has to be born again. Nobody gets to bypass the process. Why? Because born again puts the spirit of the living God inside of you and now causes you to become the person you were always supposed to come. You understand that? You become who you were supposed to come. By the way, the crying doesn't bother me. I'm around kids all the time. We have this sheep. Meh, meh, meh. All this, every five, three seconds, I'm like, what's the matter with this sheep? Yeah, fainting pigs, whatever. Yeah, we have a pig that flops over on your legs and knocked my wife down. He thinks he's a little bulldozer. You know, it's my third service today, so I'm just like, where are we going? No, we're going right where the Lord wants us to go. It's taking up your cross. It's agape cross. It's agape cross. This is gonna cost me everything and cost you nothing, but I'm gonna lay my life down. That's the love God's talking about. This will make you like him in this world. Mark my words. As he is, so we are. Stop thinking religious protocol and religious duty and start thinking, how am I loving? Because God is love. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, you will show them God. You'll become his body. This is powerful. 
I'm going to leave you with this and we're going to pray. And here's what we're going to pray for today. I'm going to have the prayer partners come up here in just a few minutes. And if you've been running from the Lord, God's got your number and you've been living for yourself and not loving right. If you don't know him and you're not born again, if you're living in compromise, God's got better for you. God's got better for you. We're going to pray for you today. If you're not sure that you're born again, let's pray for you and make sure. Right? Today's the, what better day? You know, I was baptized on Easter 2000. I got baptized in water on this day for the first time. Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was saved a lot longer than that. Seven years before I got baptized in water. There's no better day to surrender all. You know, I used to say this in past Easter Sundays, so I'm gonna say it again. You'll never know the resurrected Christ until you know the crucified Christ. You'll never know the resurrected you until you know the crucified you. Paul said, it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. See, all right, I will say it again. Thank you. I really appreciate that. See, I like feedback, guys. Give me some feedback now. I'm slowly, I'm, I'm slowly moving this direction after a wedding and several services. No, no, I'm fired up. I'm fired up. You'll never know the crucified Christ. You'll never know the resurrected Christ until you know the crucified Christ. Why did he die for you? What did he do when he died? What did he take when he died? What did his blood do? It was a perfect sacrifice once and for all. It's done. It's finished. Now you get to know the the resurrected Christ as he is. Right? You got to get the blood of Jesus. Passover. Jesus was crucified on Passover, resurrected on the first day of the week, which was a Sunday, by the way. Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. First day of the week. It was a Sunday. Just so y'all know. Okay? Passover. There's a spirit of death swirling around this nation. And that spirit of death tried to take my life when my dad said to my 24-year-old Greek mother when he got her pregnant out of wedlock with me, my dad said to my mom, are you sure you want to have him? That's code for if you don't want to have him, I know where we can go. This spirit of death is pervasive to kill a nation, to rob the inheritance from my children. I'm not thinking about tomorrow or even next year. You know what I'm thinking about? 2050. What you and I do now sets into motion 20 years from now. As he is, so we are. So we take up our cross. And we lay our lives down. And I'm not trying to get anything from you or anybody else. Now, will I, here's the good thing about phileo love. Here's the good thing about it. I am so fruitful and I have such an abundant supply that I can say, here, take it. It's benefactor love. You will, we benefit from each other. I'm not just using me as an example. Let's make that you. That's why God says, be fruitful and then multiply. So God wants to make you fruitful so that we can benefit each other, just like in a marriage. My wife and I, there's benefits to marriage, a lot of them, okay? Now, in the, family, in the context of a body, you have gifts, 
talents, callings. Some of you are prophets. Some of you are seers. Shut down and you need to come alive. Some of you are dreaming dreams all night long and you don't know what to do with them. Some of you can see in the spirit, you're very discerning and you can tell when something's demonic or evil. Some of you have prophecy and gifts of knowledge and words of wisdom and have a passion to lay hands on the sick and heal them. The Bible says there's diversities of activities and diversities of gifts that need to come alive. As he is, so we are. He's Jesus the prophet. He's Jesus the evangelist. He's Jesus the apostle. He's Jesus the teacher. Understand? And all the gifts reside in him, all the callings. So we just got to become like him. Now, this is what I want to show you. Ephesians 1 is an incredible chapter. It talks about all these benefits that we get from God. Here's some of the benefits. He gives us a hope. He gives us a calling. He gives you an inheritance. So our question should be, what's my inheritance, right? If you had very wealthy family members or they had ranches or land, you'd be saying, What's my portion? What's my inheritance? So God has an inheritance. This is all in Ephesians 1. And he gives you exceptional power. Power to do what? Let me show you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. All those things you got when, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. So where is Jesus. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and then he takes a seat on your heart. He's there, and he's here, okay? Yeah. There's a great mystery. I'll try to explain it to you. It all comes down to power and authority now. Because look at the next scripture. Far above, I say far above. far above. Jesus is far above. All principality, power, might, dominion, and notice this, every name that is named in all the ages of the world. Now, I say it this way. He's far above, name your thing. Name your thing. Some of you, it's the nation. Some of you, it's the election. Some of you, it's the problems of the country. Some of you, it's the struggles with abortion. Some of you, it's the principalities and darkness and the demons wreaking havoc in your life. Lie, 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 lie. You're no good. You're a failure. You're a mess up. You're not smart. You're gonna die. You're gonna lose your mind. You're gonna all the sicknesses you can think of. He's far above all that. Yeah. Amen. Come on. He's far above. And now watch this. I'm going to tie it together for you. Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 7. But God, everybody say, but God, but God. who is rich in mercy. Let's say it together. Who's rich in mercy. We'll read this together. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when I was dead in my trespasses, made me alive together with Christ. As he is, so we are. I once was dead. I once was lost. I once was a donkey. But Jesus broke me and rode me into town. Right? So now when I was dead in my sin, he raised me up together because of his great love. By grace, I've been saved. Look at verse six. Here's what else he did. He raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
that in the ages to come, which is now in the future, that he might show us exceeding rich, the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You know what you should be feeling today? Exceeding riches of grace. It puts a smile on your face. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's because of his great love. He loved you first, right? And so now he was raised up far above all principalities. And guess where you sit? So it's all under your feet. Your depression, that depression, put it under your feet. It's already under his. Failures, shame, shortcomings, sin, darkness, addiction. You fill it in. Fill, name your thing. If you can name it, he has overcome it. And he's over it. Name it. And don't take it out of here. Six weeks ago, my wife told a story about her naming her disappointment. She had an encounter with the Lord and God said, you're battling some apathy, struggling. And he's like, you're disappointed. My wife's like, well, duh, of course I'm disappointed. And then God's like, I want you to name it and make a trade. If he's already far above, why are you fighting it out and trying to make it work? Get to Jesus who's already defeated it. Yeah. Let's say I have to get to Jesus because as he is, so I want to be. And so I am. So the question today that I started with is, how are you? Who are you? And one of the best things we can do is say, I don't know. I'm a mess. I need to give it up. I want to become like him. I mean, the better thing is, is to say, I'm like him and I'm in process and I'm growing and I'm healthy and I'm not running to those things that I used to run to. But the next best thing is to say, I'm not good. Don't go, I'm good. Just say, I'm desperately in need because I can't do this in my own strength. I think God's talking to a lot of you today and I love you. It's not a religious thing. Been there, done that. I hate it. I hate it man-made religion. Hate it. This is family. There's a lot of people that have come out of crazy lifestyles that are here to help you come out of yours. Okay? But most importantly, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call up the prayer partners, and we're going to have a moment with some music, and you are invited if you are not born again if you've been running, if you keep blowing everything up and you know you're running from God, if you're not born again and you're not sure that you're born again, if you've slid backwards, if you've walked away from the Lord, if you're hurting, if you're sick in your body or if your marriage is going through hard times, I'm pretty sure I just said a lot of people in this sanctuary, we wanna pray for you. It's one of the best things that we can offer. If God speaks to you, He speaks to you for a purpose. Now respond and say, I'm ready for everything God has for me. Don't take it out of this place today. Don't take it home with you. The deal is done. Jesus already died and now he's resurrected. Today's your day to resurrect into new life. Let's all stand. Partners, if you'd please come up to the front. Let's just close our eyes for a moment.
And I want you to just ask the Lord, Lord, how are you and how am I? Who are you and who am I? Help me to find the answer to that. What do I need to give up today? What do I need to surrender, Lord? for y'all but I want to encourage you to make your way up to the front if you'd like somebody to pray for you if you're not born again you're not giving your life to the Lord or you're unsure come up if you're having nightmares fear worry doubt anxiety depression addiction sickness problems in your marriage if you've been using people for your own gain and not loving right you should come up for prayer today or you can just come and kneel down at the front at the altar So Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for Resurrection Sunday, 2021. From this day forward, Lord, we wanna be like you and not like ourselves. We wanna be who you've called us to be. As you are, Lord, give us boldness, confidence, and bring healing and comfort to everybody's heart today to be more confident and secure and have boldness, to overcome the lies of the enemy because you've already overcame. And as people come up for prayer today, I pray that you would answer that prayer, bring healing to their mind, body, spirit, soul, and strengthen them by your spirit. We love you, Jesus, and we're so thankful that you are alive. And because you live, we can live. And I bless everybody here as they go to be with family and friends. And may we never get our eyes off you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com give.